Hello everyone and thank you for listening to the All Things Family Law podcast hosted by our team here at the Family Law Company. We hope you're well and that you enjoy listening to us. The Family Law Company is one of the South West's leading family specialist firm um, with clients all over the country. We look forward to um, welcoming you on our podcast journey. This series will be discussing the various routes into a career in law and we'll spend time chatting to our lawyers about how they qualified. We hope that you will find their stories inspiring and interesting. I'm Rachel Buckley, one of the directors and shareholders at the Family Law Company, and this week our guests are fellow directors uh, Donna Hart and our special guest Imran Kodabokas, a senior associate and team leader for our children team. Imran has been with us now for a number of years and is a very valued member of our team. He's going to be talking to us about his journey into law and his approach. So, thank you Imran for thank joining you for us. Me. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey into law? Sure. Um, my mother says that I wanted to be a lawyer when I was really young. And I think that stems from when I was a kid. I used to watch an old programme called LA Law. Oh, yeah, I used to watch that. <laughs> yeah, and it was like the music and you had the scene of the skyscrapers. And I used to love it. And, and the, the number plate on the back of the car. And the number plate, exactly. <laughs> and so that kind of... I used to watch that with my mum all the time. And then... When um, I was going through uni, uh, well not uni, um, secondary school, I developed a passion for languages, so I speak French, German and Spanish. Wow, and that's amazing. Are you fluent in those I, languages? I'm fluent in French, um, I'm good at uh, Spanish and I'm like, conversational in terms of German. And I was quite fortunate to have kind of skipped year when I was a child. So I always wanted to use that extra year to do a law qualifying course. And when you say you skipped a year, what, what do you mean? What, how, so how did that I went from year three straight to year five. Okay. Why was that? Um, it, I'm told it was because I was um, advanced enough to miss out year four. Yeah, okay. And so I ended up doing some of my A-levels a bit early as well. So I had some time to capitalise. And so I wanted to do something with languages, but I always had that eye on law. So my degree was um, languages with a bit of law and my plan was to use the extra time I had to do a law qualifying course called a graduate diploma in law. Okay. And so my like, master plan was to come out with a couple of languages and an English qualifying law de- degree and then go on to law school uh, and, become a, and train to become a solicitor. And which languages did you do at university? So I did French and um, Spanish and I spoke basic German because um, I was, I've been speaking French since I was four and so um, I did my French A-levels and GCSEs really early which meant I could learn an extra language so I did German uh, GCSE and I think I did an A-level, AS level and then um, so I, that's why I came out of German it's probably my, weak, my weakest but I wanted to try and get the three big ones in Europe so French, on top of English of course, so French, German and Spanish. And you said that you spoke French from an, a young age, yeah. were you speaking French with your family? My mum sat me down when, again, I, when I was four and said right Imran here's the alphabet, um, I'd like you to learn French, it's going to help you. My background, my parents are from Mauritius which is an English and French speaking um, place and my mother said actually uh, it's going to help you in the future if you have an extra language. And so I remember my mother sitting me down and saying, this is the alphabet. And then I started guessing the sounds in the alphabet. And it just kind of spiralled from there. And you've got children now. So do you do the same thing? Do they speak? Um, the, the youngest, who is free, actually learns uh, French in school, wow. in nursery. Um, I must admit, I didn't 
start as early as I would have liked with the oldest one, but now because the youngest is doing it at school at nursery, I am really like um, doing it more at home. Yeah. And it's quite interesting to see how they pick it up, particularly the three-year-old. I regret not doing it with the eight-year-old because they pick up stuff so much better when they're younger. Yeah. And you you went on then to live and work in Europe, didn't you? I did. I was really fortunate to have work. I've lived in France, where I lived in Lyon. Um, I've lived in Barcelona when I studied Spanish. I've lived and worked um, in Brussels. I worked for like, kind of, like an offshoot of the European Commission. Um, and, and what sort of things were you doing? In with Brussels. The, with the European Commission. Yeah, so yeah. at the time I was there, they were working on um, an EU constitution. So what we were doing was working for like a housing organisation which was trying to include access to housing, social housing, as an automatic right. And we managed to get it included in some of what in one of the versions of the draft, and it meant actually arguing the case on behalf of all of um, the the member countries, finding out what each country has in terms of entitlement, and trying to encapsulate that in a in a single written constitution. So that sounds really exciting. How did you how did you come across that opportunity? When I was in year three at uni. Um, because I was doing law, English law, one of the, the lecturers worked in Brussels and she kind of said, would you be interested in doing this? So I put my name forward, had to have a telephone interview. I think it was almost like on Christmas Eve I had the interview because I remember it being at home and I wasn't sure how to speak French or English. It was quite weird. <laughs> yeah. But then, um, yes, I got, the, I got the position and then I moved to Brussels um, about a couple of weeks after, to be fair. Was that the first time you'd left home? No, the first time. Uh, I, before then, I'd lived in Lyon. Um, the year before, and I'd also um, studied in Barcelona. So I studied in France, I studied in Spain. And what was it that made you choose family law? It's a bit um, embarrassing in that when I was at uni, um, I kind of found myself being the one that people come to with all of their kind of like emotional problems. Yeah. And it's it's rather embarrassing um, that I got like the nickname of... <laughs> of um, <laughs> oh, the secret's going to come I've out. I got the nickname of Dr Love. <laughs> Yeah, because that's everyone, a great nickname, and it might end up going around the family law company now. <laughs> because people used to come to me with like a lot of relationship problems, and I remember two friends of mine, um, I had to actually write out what to say to someone over oh. the phone, because they couldn't break up with their partner face-to-face, -face. I, I had to write out a script. So you were a sympathetic ear, you yeah. were encouraging, I was and trying, you were helping yeah. people to resolve their yeah. issues. And, really early on. And that's where I think I developed the kind of like interest in wanting to try and work with people in their relationships. And then I got into some kind of voluntary counselling and then that really okay. cemented the fact was that Was that I, at university as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's where I really developed that kind of interest in working with people, their problems, their lives. And I think that kind of enthusiasm and interest has followed me through. Because I always wanted to do family law. I was never interested in the corporate side. And now you specialise within the specialism, don't you? Tell yeah. us a little bit more about what you do now on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to Don and Rach and the rest of the board for making me um, team leader of the children and domestic violence team. I joined in February 2016 and I became team leader in November 2016. So I'm really grateful for that. So I'm, um, I would say responsible, but that's not really fair because I'd like to say I kind of work with people in my team, um, I kind of supervise them. The work I do on a day-to-day -day basis are primarily children cases, people needing domestic violence, getting them the support they need, helping people wanting contact or having concerns about contact. 
I also represent a lot of children in either care proceedings or if they have separate representation in the middle of um, contact or uh, living with arrangements um, court hearings. So I do quite some complicated and stuff. Some of the cases that you deal with can be quite challenging um, and those cases can sometimes involve child abuse, child neglect. How do you um, sort of look after your, um, your mental health? Um, it's, a, it's a really good point. In, it's been in the news a lot about well-being for people who work particularly in family law and it's something that um, we've been quite good over here. We've had the well-being group last year and going out through this year. We've had a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, because we have a well-being group here, don't we, yeah. where um, we have representatives from each department and we put on events with yeah. speakers coming in to talk about yeah. stress and how to manage That's things right. and how to eat well and exercise right. and, and how important it is to have downtime because you know when you look at the sort of statistics that are out there one of the biggest killers of men under the age of 45 is you know suicide is 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 huge yeah it is it's, it's a lot of it's stress related so it's very difficult it, i mean textbook answer is to try and leave it at the door mm-hmm. but i think sometimes because you're so drawn in the case and you actually feel the case uh, particularly if you have children it resonates a bit more yeah. um it's very hard to kind of shut up shop but i i tried to actually keep some time for me and I know Rach in my supervision and PDRs you said you don't you don't but I'm I'm working at doing that more I mean I have yeah. young children I mean I turn off my work phone um, when I'm at about six um, it's I try to not do work with my children around yeah um, and don't you find I think the, the very nature of family lawyers is that like you said about your story at university we are naturally empathetic people we want yeah. to help and do well so um, even outside of work we're probably the people that do that within our own families um, so actually self-care is really important particularly for those types of people yeah I think that's really true I think people who um, succeed in family law are those who are approachable not just as human beings but also to their clients and to be approachable with someone you need to be able to empathize with them mm-hmm. because they'll be coming to you at the most difficult periods of time in their life and so you need to be able to relate to that. And good family laws, which we are here, we do that really well. But we almost like sacrifice ourselves to try and help our people we're yeah. working with, particularly yeah. domestic violence clients. And also, if you're a team leader, you've also got the responsibility of yeah. people in your team and their well-being. So yeah. it can be even more enhanced, that feeling of responsibility, if you like. It's true. Um, and the good thing about our team is that um, my door's always open. We don't really have like a closed door policy here. That's a, we have a really good open environment. We're really, really um, good at being able to bounce ideas at each other. People will come up and say, man, I'm really yeah. struggling with this case. Or can you help me out? I've got this thing going on. Um, but it's about being there. Some people might not want to um, share their own personal issues, but the good thing is that they, they do know that we're there to, to support them if they need it. Yeah, so what, what sort of advice would you give to a young person who is coming into the profession now? Um, Think about the area, the specific area that you want to go in. So if you're looking at children, if you're looking at domestic violence, just remember that that's primarily legal aid, depending on what geographical area you're in. There's obviously some uncertainty of legal aid, and then you've got, it's, it's, it's very, very busy. It means, for example, if you get someone wishing to get a protective order called an injunction, you literally have to drop everything to help that person. Mm-hmm. If, if your workload is perhaps that you're doing other areas, that you can't accommodate that, you might have to think about that. But if, you, if you're more inclined towards numbers, you like trying to look at pension sharing reports or splits from sales or something like that, then you might want to look at the financial route. Alternatively, if you like procedure, so you like looking at rules and regulations, then 
unmarried finances, which is what we deal with here, that's a lot of that's governed by the, what we call the civil procedure rules, which is mm. like very procedural, and that's something that you might want to do as well. And what did you find the most difficult coming away from university and studying law into the actual practice of law? I think it was the actual practice in that what you're learnt, what you're taught, sorry, at uni or law school is actually theoretical. Mm. When I qualified as a solicitor, there's something called a legal practitioner's course, which is designed to try and teach you some of the things that actually happen in a law firm. Mm. But it, it's it, it's not really representative of what happens in that it doesn't really tell you about the nitty gritty of what this particular provision means or doesn't tell you about legal aid, for example, or funding or emotions, how to deal with clients, all of that stuff you have to really learn uh, as you go along. And what about time management? Do they? Because I didn't do the LPC, but does it teach you anything about... No. My no, and I think for a lawyer that's really, really tough, isn't it? Like you said, if you've got a full caseload, you might have to go out to court to urgent hearings, you've got other clients who are emailing and waiting to hear from you. That's so right. I think um, for, for young students in particular, to maybe go and do some sort of voluntary work or some sort of work experience so they yeah. can just see how fast-paced it is yeah. compared to the studying side of it. I think that's a really good point, Donna, in that you, you don't learn a lot of the, the tips that you really need to be able to not succeed, but just to just to get on with your daily job. In in that you you all if you have a work phone, which we do, you're checking your emails quite early before I when I get the park and ride bus. I'm on my emails trying to save time. So those are the kind of tips that could really be beneficial for coming the, in. The job market is so very competitive, isn't it? And I think it's really important to look at what people can do to set themselves apart. So, for example, the counselling that you did when you were at university that. Yeah that would have been really important when you were going for your first job interview. Is that something that would set you apart from maybe others that were applying for those sorts of jobs and particularly the experience that you had in Europe? I think that's right. Um, I think as the most um, appealing candidates, I'm guessing, I mean, Donna, Rich, you can, you can answer this one. You, you hired me, so you can probably <laughs> answer this one. But I think if you can do anything that separates yourself from, from the next person, I, you can do lots of um, work experiences are a really big one. Um, some people perhaps are not ready to take that giant leap into becoming a, a fully uh, practic practicing either solicitor or member of Silex. So you can perhaps look at becoming a paralegal, mm -hmm. almost like a step in between to learn the ropes a bit. And we actually encourage that. There's uh, at least three in, in this office alone, and it's more in our Plymouth office. So that's another way of bridging that gap. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps even training to be a paralegal. And there's someone here who's just started that role who is in my team who we're working with. So think about that. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Have you ever had that standout moment where you've come home after a long day and you really feel that you've made a difference and you've thought, no, I know that family law is, is right for me? I would, I would say from the experience that I've had of the cases that you're involved in and the, you know, the stories that you've yeah. come back with, the results you've had at court, I'd say that happens more, more often every day, really. Thank you, Rach, <laughs> Thank you, Rach for that. Um, I, I don't think I can probably pin it down to one moment, to be fair. I think... Because every child is different, it's just going to sound like a textbook answer, but it, every child is different, so there's a particular type of harm or particular type of risk associated to that child. And if you can protect that child, then that's a success for every single case, if that makes sense. But yeah. there's also some of like have a small guilty pleasures. Is, for example, if you're relying on a very remote area of law and your colleague who's very experienced hasn't thought of that or haven't, hasn't contemplated that and the judge agrees with you, that's really that's really pleasing, and and the best is where the judge says something something along the lines of, "Thank you, that's very helpful. I don't need to hear any more from you." And you, that's one of the best feelings when you, you know, know you've hit the mark. Yeah. Then don't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. 
And Imran, you do quite a lot of work in your local community as well. Would you could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so I, I um, live in Taunton, but commute to Exeter. And um, one of the things that I'm really fortunate is I have lots of contacts having worked in Taunton over 10 years. So I deal uh, a lot with my school, so I'm on the PTA. In fact, um, tomorrow, which will be the 29th of November, is our Christmas fair. So um, I'm going to be helping out with that after... Uh, we finish here. Um, we do events regularly throughout the year. I go to meetings every other month. So that's um, for my my older son's school. Um, for um, the community, we, myself and my, my wife and myself help out with an organisation called RAF, which is Refugee Aid for Taunton. So we help uh, try and gather goods. Um, some of it is very specific. Um, for example, some of it's tailored just for ladies. Some of it's tailored just for chaps. Some of it's tailored for children. We try and gather as much as we can, fundraising, clothes, we coordinate that. You do some cooking as well, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> I, do um, I don't do as much as I used to, to be fair. But um, so my, my background's my parents are from Mauritius, and Mauritius is um, quite pop, uh, more quite um, fond of biryanis. And one of the things that I've really tried to share here is my biryanis. That's made you very popular. It's <laughs> <laughs> very popular in this office. It does. So that's that's um, a big um, and I do try to dabble. I do a bit of baking. I do some cooking um, when I can um, I do enjoy it kind do of you know what time. I found a lot of people when they come for interview because like myself it's on your CV love baking and then you end up so busy that you end up the baking becomes less and less because you just don't have to- as much time anymore I think the baking that's probably true the baking is less but the cooking I still do yeah um, I still do I know the I know the, the in the office here everybody's fighting over your beer it's true it's it true in. there was that occasion when you forgot to take it home range mm. and mm. it was left in the fridge, and then two of our colleagues had got wind. It was in the fridge, and they had just picked it out. Yeah, they and were stuck it, yeah. in the Yeah, I was not happy the next no, day. No, you were not. <laughs> so, man, is there something that you could tell our listeners that might surprise them about you? Apart from the Doctor Love, thing, <laughs> I, I don't really know how I recover from that. Um, I, um, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to music. I like um, really cheesy music, and we're talking about proper real cheese and I'll go one step further and research the person who sings it and the person who produced the, the video I'll research all of that love that I love my comics as well so I'm into like DC comics and Superman Batman I think you were a bit of a DJ back in the day weren't you oh, well, I was um, <laughs> um, DJ love <laughs> I, I also had another nickname and I'm it's a bit of a um, uh, coming out today um, one of my other nicknames was <laughs> was um was the dream? <laughs> what in a, in a DJing role? Part what? of it stemmed from that, I think. And, uh, it's, does it's, does your wife know about these she nicknames? She does. She does. I had a chain with the dream on it. <laughs> so you fully embraced the nickname. I so it stems from that DJing attempt, and there was a, a rapper who was a, called the Dream, who huh. um, they suggested that I was a bit like, and so that kind of name. Followed, so um, I'm not so much the dream anymore. But what um, what, um, some of my some of the people I've worked with here, I've been working with my previous films, so they instead of calling me the dream, they call me the um, the big fluffy cloud. That's probably the closest they say I get to. <laughs> so that's my uh, yeah. But also, um, your your parents didn't come from a legal background at all, did no, they? My my parents specialised in really mental health. To be fair, yeah. Um and. 
they never really pressurised me to do law. Um, they just kind of guided me and supported me when I decided to. Um, so I've never really felt that pressure. But don't get me wrong, they're very proud that myself and my sister are both family lawyers. Yeah. Um, they're really proud of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very it's much been for very enlightening. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I'm going to call you your nickname then. Which but one? <laughs> <laughs> to love. <laughs> thank you, Emma. Thank you. <laughs>